Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, this is the Times Red Box podcast. I'm Matt Chorley. Now, an extraordinary day today. The uh, Labour anti-Semitism report is absolutely damning and utterly grim and depressing. So we're not going to talk about that on the podcast. Uh, Today, we want to talk about um, uh, the US elections. We've got our own focus group from America. Uh, James Johnson, who normally does the focus groups uh, for us on Times Radio, has done one with some swing voters in Pennsylvania. And because Halloween is coming up, I've been digging into ghost stories from... Downing Street, spookies, spooky goings on uh, behind the famous door of number 10. So if you want to find out more about uh, what happened with the anti-Semitism report in the Labour Party, you can listen back to my show on the Times Radio app. But for now, let's get stuck into our US focus group. Every month uh, since we started on Times Radio, we've run a focus group exactly like those uh, done by Downing Street and political parties to gauge in more detail what people are thinking about politics. Since we launched, we've looked at the government's handling of coronavirus, we've looked at Scottish independence and obviously what people think of uh, the party leaders. Boris Johnson, generally the mood is he's doing a good job in a bad situation. Keir Starmer is a sort of, who's Keir Starmer? And uh, everybody still loves Rishi. But with five days until the US election, we've crossed the Atlantic for our latest focus group, carried out by former Danish Street pollster James Johnson in association with Kets CNC. And James joins us now. Hi, James. Good morning. Um, just talk us through how this works um, doing an American focus group, uh, what we should take from it, and why Pennsylvania? Yeah, well, obviously, usually it would involve a fun trip to the US, but this time we are confined uh, to Zoom. Um, but very similar uh, way of it working. We've recruited a mix of, of voters um, in Pennsylvania. Uh, largely, they voted Trump in 2016, um, but they're now undecided um, about how, how we'll vote, uh, how they'll vote. Now, as with the UK ones, we need to be cautious. Um, you know, a focus group isn't a poll. But doubly so here, you know, if the polls are right and the real clear uh, politics average has Biden ahead by about four points in Pennsylvania at the moment, if the polls are right, then there aren't that many undecided voters left in this election. So Biden doesn't necessarily have to win over our focus group respondents to win the contest. But what they do do, as, as in the UK, is tell us about where these voters' minds are and, crucially, the strengths and weaknesses of the candidates and the messages that are working best as we move into the final days of this campaign. OK, let's dive right in then. This is always one of the best bits when you've done it with uh, British politicians, when you ask them to sum up uh, individuals in a sentence. So this is what they had to say about Donald Trump. Donald Trump is a, a, a know-it-all uh, business genius. 
uh, politically right, offensively wrong? Uh, I would say he was probably had the most potential of any presence I've ever seen in my lifetime. Um, other than I believe he needs to have more empathy for people, more understanding. He needs to have more people skills in terms of business and decisions. And uh, I think he really had the most potential of any president I've ever seen. But um, right now I don't feel strong, but um, I just feel like not like Obama. He had a lot of uh, people skills. I would say he is um, a business genius, an absolute patriot but very rough around the edges. His patriotism is amazing. I was going to say, I appreciate that he doesn't give you the typical um, political talk. He says how it is straightforward, but unfortunately, most of it's a lie. So I would say he is a sad, sad, sad excuse for a party that I normally vote for. Around the edges was a good description by Lori. Uh, I would say he confuses me and uh, uh, wish that what he talks that he could uh, produce. Again, I agree with he is a business genius, but in order for him to be a good president, I think he also has to be respected to other people's opinions. Um, I kind of uh, agree with the tenor of, of the people in here. I think business-wise, He's done a lot of good things to spurn the economy and fatten our, our retirement portfolios. But diplomatically and leadership-wise, he's very challenged. So a mixed bag there. Business genius seems to come up a lot, uh, James. Not least a phrase that Donald Trump's used about himself. But there's a lot of sort of... I mean, if you're going to sum all of that up in a phrase, all talk, slightly less action... Yeah, a bit of that. And actually, this division between sort of, and it came through in a lot of the conversation, this division between sort of pre-COVID Trump and post-COVID, you know, a lot of those plus points that they quite liked about Trump in 2016, the business side, patriotism, not a usual politician, you can see it's still there for these voters, but they're not as enthusiastic as they were. And a lot of that is this distinction they make between before coronavirus and afterwards. And that seems to have coloured a lot of views of him for the negative. OK, let's take a listen to what they had to say about the other guy in this race. This is what uh, the focus group had to say about Joe Biden. Seems like a nice guy. Um, and the only reason I'm thinking about possibly voting for him is because maybe then there won't be rioting. Biden in general, I'm worried that Biden is the same old politician that we were trying to get rid of four years ago. Um, very indecisive. Uh, like he just said might be the same situation and I really can't pull out no crucial information for him. I feel he might be a little sick, like old, sick, dementia. I don't know. That's how I feel about him. I, I okay. feel that he might be a little sick. Um, I just feel it's just an extension of the same old political elites, what we were trying to get rid of, the, the Hillary Clintons and Bill Clintons and the same old Political elites are always in power. I don't want another four years of Obama or Clinton. So I will not be voting for Joe Biden. Stable, balanced ticket, it seems. Um, I mean, I like his stance on education and the environment. I'm concerned about what I've heard about his mental state, having signs of dementia. 
And this came up time. I mean, this this focus group lasted an hour and a half, uh, James. But this came up time and time again. Didn't it? Concerns about Joe Biden's health. Yeah, certainly. I mean, one respondent even suggested that Biden could have a body decoy. Um, this is uh, sort of how far reaching um, you know, these, these concerns were. Um, it do, it is, it's interesting, though, because one of the things that sort of seemed more potent was this concern um, about sort of, is he just another politician? Um, somebody described it in the, in the focus group as a change of chairs if he won. You know, it would just be, be just going back to that sort of old order of things. It's quite interesting because Trump made quite a bit of that in, in, in the last debate. But it generally hasn't been really, you know, a message he's been hammering home. So it's interesting how this focus group reveals some of those shortcomings of both of the campaigns where, you know, those messages that are really working with voters, perhaps because of how undisciplined a candidate Trump is, they're not always making. OK, but let's take a listen to uh, you asked them who are they leaning towards vote? Because uh, these are eight swing voters in the state of Pennsylvania. So let's take a listen to uh, what who they said they were leaning towards backing next week. Trump. Uh, I think he can, he can he gets things done. I just think he needs to be a little have a little more empathy and, and try to be better to people and just try to get along better. Like, and probably leaning toward Trump because of what he's done to the economy. Biden. And why leaning, leaning toward Biden. Like I said, still still undecided, but leaning. Ooh, a little bit towards Trump. I'm leaning Trump because why I'm looking at it is if this election was last November, it would be no question I would be voting for Trump. I'm going to say Trump because I would not sleep well voting for a president in favor of the murdering of unborn children. I would have to lean towards President Trump as well. So I'm leaning towards Trump because I'm proud to be an American and he's proud to be an American and I got to believe in something. So, I mean, as you were saying at the beginning, James, we shouldn't read too much. These are what, eight people. Uh, it's not a poll, this. Uh, should the Trump campaign take any comfort from this, though? Um, and I suppose the fact that they are only leaning and not definite at this stage of the campaign, um, you know, time's running out, really, to try and firm those up. Yeah, exactly. I imagine some of our listeners might be a bit a bit worried by that. But um, look, I mean, Pennsylvania is one of the tighter states. It's tighter than uh, Wisconsin uh, and Michigan in that in that part of the uh, US. So perhaps no huge surprise that, you know, some of these positive things they felt about Trump before are still sort of coming through. And, you know, what's very clear is that these voters aren't sort of enamored with Biden. So I expect we are going to see um, a relatively uh, tight race there. Um, like I say, you know, Biden doesn't need to win all of these, um, but it does show you that things are a little bit tighter. And Trump does have those plus points still, you know, get things done, proud to be an American. Some of those things, you know, related to the ide- ideology of the Republican okay. Party, like we heard over abortion there. Um, so, yeah, he's certainly still got some strong points. I mean, I think, you know, if we were hearing this focus group four or five weeks ago, then, you know, perhaps we would be able to say, well, you know, Trump can replicate this with other undecideds. But as, as we know, when we zoom back and look, zoom out and look at the polls, it may just be a little bit too late. OK, let's focus on one uh, voter in particular, a former Republican who, who was saying that they, they wouldn't vote for Donald Trump. Um, I see the world getting worse. Um, so I'm someone who normally I normally vote Republican because I'm a pro-life activist. Um, And this is the first time where I don't know how I'm going to vote because I'm very unhappy with the current president. Um, So I see it getting worse. I don't see anything getting better anytime soon. Okay. Um, And why is that, Robin? Um, Well, 
where where most of us are in Pennsylvania, it's cold and flu season. There's no vaccine out. Not that I personally would even feel safe taking it, but nonetheless, there's no vaccine. It's flu season. So people are just going to be getting sick left and right. It's going to be really chaotic because people are going to be terrified. Do they have the flu? Do they have COVID? It's very hard to distinguish the two. I mean, part of me thinks, James, if, if he hasn't got her in the bag, that's the problem, isn't it? I, th- I think certainly that there is there is an, it's, there is that to an extent, and you know we, we've certainly obviously seen you know quite a lot of Biden's advertising and Biden's message being focused around winning some of these former uh, Republican voters. I mean, one interesting thing there, Matt, is is just you know this sort of just very despairing view of the U.S. and this focus group, and it came up again and again. You know, really feeling it was going in the wrong direction, real frustration about division and polarization. It's a ni- nice, it's a contrast with our UK groups because although we do get some doom and gloom in our UK groups, you know, it really is on another level in the US in terms of how much that polarization goes through. You know, people talking about two worlds of Republicans and Democrats, real doubts about the media coming up all the time. Um, quite an interesting contrast there with with our sort of uh, slightly more upbeat focus groups in the UK. Is that because, do you think, Donald Trump obviously was elected on a on a wave of sort of, I mean, he painted a very bleak picture back uh, four years ago, but he was elected on the promise of make America great again. And that was a very sort of positive, optimistic message. And actually sort of try to run on the same thing again by, you know, he's sort of trying to simultaneously talk the America that he's been running for four years down while also claiming he's the man who can who can fix it. So if everyone is basically saying, the, you know, you've got both Biden and Trump saying the country's in a terrible state. And so I suppose it's no great surprise that our, our focus group panellists are a bit depressed. Yeah, I think I think that's right. And it also gets to that polarisation in US society. You know, we talk about cultural war issues in the UK, but actually a lot of those swing voters in the UK don't much mind about statues or trans toilets or whatever, whatever it might be. Whereas in the US, these things are, are actually, you know, they're really ingrained in political identity. Um, so that really makes, and we had some respondents in this focus group talking about, you know, how when they go to work, they're the only Democrat there, or when they're at home, they're the only Republican. Um, so, you know, it, it sort of pervades real life in, in a much far, more far reaching way uh, than in the UK as well. OK, well, one of the things we've addressed, and we've discussed, you know, Joe Biden's health. Somebody's just texted in, um, taking issue with the descriptions of Joe Biden as being, you know, possibly having dementia and being too old at 77. We should point out this is the views of the focus group. It's not um, uh, it's not my views, particularly. Um, uh, but as a result, that conversation then moves on to um, the role of Kamala Harris in all of this, who's uh, Joe Biden's uh, running mate. And obviously the suggestion that if he, you know, given his age, it's not impossible that she might end up having to replace him. Let's take a listen uh, to their views on Kamala Harris. Are, are you ready to talk about his running mate? Go, go for it. Okay, so my biggest fear is Kamala Harris. Harris. That is my biggest fear in this country. So and why is that? Why is that? Uh, well, I, I, she's the most liberal senator in um, Congress. And what if he is, in fact, a Trojan horse? We're, we are now having the most liberal senator as our president. Yeah, she is kind of harsh. She is kind of forceful with hers. And like she said, I am kind of scared. And that's like the, that's what I mean, like with the, uh, with the, 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 the puppet on the string situation, you know, it's, it's everybody is on Biden, but they not really prepared for what Ms. Harris is, uh, basically trying to induct and bring in. 
I don't know. I would kind of take Trump over having them to, you know. So this is really interesting. I mean, the sort of, you know, um, lefty liberal British Twitterati commentary. I obviously absolutely love Kamala Harris, the first uh, black woman running for um, office in the United States. But it's a reminder that we're a country, two countries separated by, by the same language. You know, liberal is about the most offensive thing that some people think they can say about someone. Yeah, indeed. Uh, it's worth remembering, of course, you know, Kamala Harris, you know, it, it may well work very well with um, African-American voters or indeed, you know, younger liberal voters that Biden also needs to turn out. But yeah, certainly with these swing voters in Pennsylvania, um, uh, sort of real concerns and this feeling of, you know, there's this more left wing agenda. I did think it was interesting, though, there is a flip side to this, that none of those concerns about being far left or radical or liberal or harsh, whatever they might be, Trojan horse, none of those came up in in regards to Biden himself. It was all sort of, you know, channeled through Kamala Harris. Now, uh, that's obviously not great news for Kamala Harris, and the Trump campaign may well try and use that argument more in, in the closing days. But it does remind us that this Trump attack, that Biden is somehow on the left, that Biden is somehow this radical socialist waiting to get in and, you know, bring in the Green New Deal and, and you know, huge government spending or whatever else, isn't really falling flat. It tends to be channeled through their views of Kamala Harris rather than Joe Biden. And so uh, the, if people are um, up all night on Tuesday, I mean, they're obviously going to be listening to me on Times Radio from 1am, uh, bringing you the results as they come in. What uh, should we be keeping an eye out for with Pennsylvania? Uh, well, I think, uh, you know, lots of I think there's just two things, really. There's one, this sort of white working class vote, um, the swing voters uh, who uh, we obviously listened to a bit there today. Um, they're going to be very key in terms of whether Joe Biden can erode that vote enough. But also, you know, turnout in cities like Philadelphia, African-American turnout, too. So um, and ultimately, Trump only won this state by 0.7 percent in 2016. Um, so it's a very, very tightly ran state. Um, Biden could, you know, up turnout in, in the cities and, and and, and, and win it um, or he could you know win over the swing voters uh, in the countryside and also win it so yeah it's a tight state it could well be the tipping state and the de- tipping point state and the decider what we see here is that Biden may not have totally sealed the deal with the undecided voters but like I said maybe it is just too late in the campaign for that. If you enjoy listening to Times journalists and commentators here on the podcast well you can now subscribe to the Times don't miss our flash sale subscribe to the Times and the Sunday Times with 50% off for six months but the sale ends this friday the 30th of october at five o'clock search the times.co.uk forward slash times red selling a little or a lot shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage shopify is there to help you grow shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout 36 percent better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms because businesses that grow grow with shopify Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com box so these are some sort of dvd extras that you've got here we didn't have time on the radio to play out all of the uh focus group um material that we picked up um but james asked the group what they thought about britain for europe i feel very sad for europe i i think you got are you you are in a lockdown like she said i did hear that y'all did open up to the public at one point and then slowly but drastically y'all started shutting a couple things down it feels like compared to the u.s they're at a place of social peace since there there's an uptick in covid cases they're at a, a state of economic crisis so that was what the group thought about britain what did the american voters think about boris johnson i think i like him T- tell me more laurie <laughs> i really don't know i mean i th- i I think he's a fair leader. I think I, I can't speak as a citizen, you know, only you can. But the, the media portrayal of him is uh, pretty good. He got COVID, right? He beat COVID. Um, I, I, I think of all the countries, you're probably one of the safest. And so during the time when he did get COVID and he was in the ICU and had a baby, I think at the same time, um, <laughs> But he did an about face and he came out of, you know, his, uh, he rebounded and said, you know, this is a serious disease. And he's been very, I think, firm, trying to confirm with the citizens and what you need to do. And so when Trump became positive, I think we were all worried no matter, you know, what party you were affiliated with. So we'll wait to see how uh, that all pans out. Does Pennsylvania back Trump or Biden? You can find out by listening to me uh, live on Times Radio from 1am on Wednesday morning as I uh, present the show through the night with all the latest uh, results. But before that, Saturday is Halloween. And so we've been looking into the spooky goings-on in Downing Street. So it's not like I had a lot of extra time on my hands, but I was fascinated when I started hearing quite a lot of ghost chat behind the scenes in Downing Street and it was sort of um, there was the there was the famous story which is from the facilities manager who who swears and I've talked to him about it that he saw um, a woman in white and he's you know he sort of felt a tough to dress walk, walk past him um, and I started asking questions of lots of the lots of the staff there, the long serving staff, particularly the people who, you know, work behind the scenes 
um, and I guess frequent the rooms away from the kind of the more grand state rooms. Um, but there are ghosts all around, so you have to watch out when you're in Downing Street. So you sort of go through, you've compiled this collection of stories and there's just about every sort of ghost that ghost fans might uh, think about. So you've got, I mean, talk us through some of your favourite stories, but there's some children laughing to smells, to footsteps, to curtains blowing when the windows don't open. So talk us through some of your favourite stories that you compiled. So I think there are, I've, I've actually looked up the types of ghost, um, just, you know, I want to do a proper job for you. And and the, the residual hauntings are um, are things like whispers and and people have their names called. You know, on, a few people um, over many years have had their names. In fact, I think one of the cleaners was called Maggie. So we don't know whether the ghost was calling out for Maggie the cleaner or another famous. Maggie. <laughs> um, you know, there were giggles. And this this often happened when there was staff working on nights or when at weekends when there should have been no one there and there were no children in the building people smelt stuff cigar smoke i mean so who could that have been if it was cigar smoke to be who clear? could that have been so these amazing though there's all sorts of amazing stories i i spoke to the to the people um and i trusted the people that that told these stories yeah and, and there's so much of it um one of my favorites was that that one of the front of house staff went down to deliver something to the garden rooms and one of the girls turned around as he walked through the door and said get your cold hands off my neck and he was really horrified that he was being accused of of this and said firstly I'd never do that and I and also I've, I've just walked through the door there's no way that could be me. And the, this poor woman would, she refused ever to work down there again unless someone would sit with her. Wow. And I don't, yeah, it's really spooky. And were you aware of, because like you said, a lot of the time it's the staff and particularly in, in rooms at the very top of the building and the number 10 flat and that sort of thing. Were you ever aware that senior politicians, cabinet ministers, world leaders ever came across ghosts in Downing Street? I can't say. I, I would love to be able to tell you um, a first-hand or a, a second-hand account of of either the PM or the Chancellor when I was uh, um, having encountered a ghost, but I can't, I'm afraid, deliver that for you. But I but I do know that there were beds, for example, that were sat on. Um, one of the house staff was changing beds. I don't know what year this was, and she kept turning around, and every time she turned around, this freshly made bed. Um, someone had sat on it again. Absolutely. She swore that this happened repeatedly. Um, that's pretty spooky to happen up in one of the flats. And uh, we should probably talk about Spencer Percival, uh, the, the former prime minister, the only prime minister to be assassinated in office. And there's some suggestion that, that he appears uh, in spirit form when the nation is facing an emergency. So presumably he's been very well spotted in, in Downing Street in the last few months. He he must be he must not be resting at the moment. Um and I, I I'd love to talk to some of the Downing Street staff at the moment. Um it, I, I think apparently um he appears in his in a costume 
Um, and, and it, I think it's because it, so it originated from the fact that poor old Spencer Percival was, um, was shot and then his body laid to rest for five days in Downing Street. And the great story, um, and I, I heard one of these sort of secondhand was that the, that one of the guards was in um, a kind of sentry box in the garden and he heard lots of footsteps um, down uh, on the gravel path and he um, he absolutely swears that it, there was no explanation for it. And, and another more famous story is that there were actual footprints seen in the snow. Um, and, and apparently, reportedly, it's, it's Spencer Percival's pallbearers as they were taking him out um, for his funeral procession. Now, people... Some people will be listening to this and thinking that you and I have both lost the plot. Uh, are you someone who uh, previously believed in ghosts? Is it just your experience of working in Downing Street? Do you believe all these stories? I, I was just having the same thought, Matt. Um, and I, and I, and I, <laughs> it slightly worries me um, what, what your listeners may think of me after this. Um, I, I, I have actually lived, my dad was in the army and we lived in quite a few haunted houses. And, and I, so I suppose I, I've never seen a ghost. My, my wonderful grandfather, um, swears. He, he thought we were, we were, us two girls were dressing up one night. He saw someone walk past in a big dress. And that was the first ghost story I ever heard. And my grandfather was not, um, you know, a silly, um, fanciful man. He, he, and so I guess that's why I, I take people at face value. If that's what, if that's what they say, if they say the, the toilet door in the number 10 flat is haunted, then maybe maybe it really is. There is just so many stories, Matt, and they were all told to me um, by very, very good, honest people. And there were no other explanations. So I believe them. And I, I think um, the world should yeah, open up its imagination to such stories, definitely. <laughs> well i think you could be right and, and what better time to do that than a few days before um uh, halloween itself so joe it's been really good to speak to you and now let's take a listen to uh, the story of david the facilities manager as he describes the the day that he came across a ghost in number 10 Um, we were doing a recruitment uh, exercise for a new member of staff and we booked the small dining room for to do that interview. Um, I arrived very early that morning, about 6 o'clock in the morning as it happened, um, in weather conditions where it was total black outside, so there was no natural lights on outside, no electric lights inside beyond the service corridor. And... Um, I just stuck my head in the room on the way up to my office to make sure that everything was kosher in the uh, room and um, as I put my head into the small dining room without any lights on I was conscious of some lights underneath the door of the uh, that go through to the state dining room and thinking we'd had a couple of issues with uplighters being left on overnight which shouldn't have happened so thinking it was that I walked into the small dining room to go over to the double doors to open up the state dining room to see what it was and as I passed the end of the table um, someone walked past me and I jumped out of my life because obviously I'm on just some light that's coming through from the door. Spun round but couldn't see anyone there but had, had felt a real presence and heard 
what I described later as um, uh, the sound a taffeta dress makes, um, the sort of rustle of skirts and so forth. Obviously, sort of, it wasn't a cleaner in the room or anything like that. So I've sort of like stopped what I was doing, can't work that out, and then no malicious presence or anything like that, but just couldn't identify what it was. And about two hours later, one of my colleagues come, came in and. Um, Basically, I sort of related this to him, and um, he said, oh, you've seen the ghost. And I went, yeah, what ghost? And um, was then told that there is a lady in a white ball gown who goes between the state dining room and the pillar room. And I didn't know that, and I'm kind of one of those people who uh, disbelieves that kind of thing without some kind of evidence, um, except that it happened to me. I can't explain it. It still sends shivers up my spine now. As I say, no malicious presence, but just something that absolutely sort of made me jump out of my skin at the time. That's all we've got time for on this episode of the Red Box podcast. Uh, you can now listen back to my whole show on the Times Radio app, where you can also now listen to all of the Times podcasts, including Red Box 2. Make sure you subscribe and review at the Red Box podcast wherever you listen. But for now, from me, Matt Chorley, it's goodbye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 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 Mm